0: Hi, this is Tanya. It's April 11th, 2021. Um, There's 4,456 cases of COVID-19 in Ontario today. Um, But the episode you're about to hear, we actually recorded on Friday night, April 9th. Um, And I just wanted to jump in here before we start to say that I made two factual errors that I want to correct before you listen. So the first is that when we talk about the number of patients in the intensive care unit, um, we say we're talking about all the patients in the intensive care unit, but actually the numbers we're talking about are just the COVID patients. So today's Sunday, the latest number we've heard is 605 COVID patients in the ICU. And on Friday, that was probably a good 100 patients less than that. And by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be a 100 patients more. Um, it's a very fast-moving situation. And the other thing I need to correct was um, we talk about a press conference that Steiny Brown, the head of Ontario Science Table, gave um, a while ago where a reporter asked him a great question. And we say that that presentation was March Eleventh, and that it was his fourth or fifth presentation, but actually it was February 11th and it was his second or third presentation. Um, so without further ado, here's what we recorded on Friday. I get pretty mad in this episode and over the last two days, nothing has happened to abate that anger at all. Uh, things have only gotten worse, but I'm trying to take solace in... David Fisman's words that pandemics have beginnings, middles, and ends, and we are close to the end, but there's a large fire to go through still. So enjoy our Friday night ramblings.
1: Friday, April 9th A and big week. A big week. A big day. I think we had the in a most not good way in a knockaway. We had the most cases reported on a single day, on a day, yeah. I mean, we had 4,227 cases in Ontario, reported in Ontario today. uh, They're officially saying that's the second most reported in a single day. uh, The only higher one was 4,249 on January 8th, but they say that there were 450 of those that were actually based on a delay in reporting data from different days. Mm-hmm. So this is the biggest day.
0: The biggest day. Um. Yeah, so, so much happened we this week. Ready. It felt like we were back at the beginning <laughs> of the pandemic again. It started with, over the Easter weekend, um, the provincial government... The Minister of Education, whose Nick last name I still haven't learned how to pronounce. Leachy, I think. Leachy? Lucky? Think. Sometimes oh, I lucky. call him Leach. Yeah, Lucky. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. I like I to know. call him Leech. But anyways, um, they were like, schools are going to remain open. Schools are going to remain open. Schools are going to remain open. It doesn't matter how. But they didn't say this, but it just felt like no matter how high cases rise, they were just going to keep schools open. And maybe they would have. <laughs> and maybe they would have. But, I mean, there was no, there was no, it like, the point where it becomes unsafe is this. It's just, like, schools are staying open. Yeah. Which is a point of view that that people have, uh-huh. um, that schools should stay open. But I have to say a lot of those people are not teachers who are in the classroom who are risking their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, So then on how oh, is holiday monday when did thursday
1: they made the first call to do the emergency what they called the emergency break or what did they call it the shutdown emergency break they they had this weird right. thing. right not a lockdown a shutdown and the there was a shutdown before and and that was on the thursday i think right bef- right yeah. before the long weekend and the
0: but g- then when d- okay so then for schools on Sunday or Monday, I can't remember which, Peel's um, MOH canceled, closed all schools in Peel for Tuesday.
1: On Monday, yeah. On Monday, we heard that. He
0: did that Monday?
1: Yeah, Monday. The day before? Yeah, yeah. It was the day before. They said schools weren't opening on Tuesday. In Peel, all of Peel. All of Peel. And then.
0: And tr- so everybody was waiting for Toronto to follow yeah. suit, yeah. which they didn't. Until Tuesday.
1: Well, they did. So then that night, Eileen DeVilla closed something like 20, 22 schools. So I think her, you know, her approach was let's go to places where the number, the communities where the numbers are worst or schools where the numbers are looking bad. And so close those schools. So she mm-hmm. closed 22 schools that night.
0: And then, and then Tuesday, she closed the rest of them. So all the kids in Toronto went to school on Tuesday. Yeah. And then were out of school for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Avery had no school Wednesday morning because they gave the teachers the whole morning to pivot. Yeah. Wild. And Guelph, I think, did the same Guelph, thing. But
1: th- well, Guelph announced, Guelph on, announced on Monday. Guelph announced on Monday night. That yeah. they were also going to closed but waiting till giving every like giving parents an extra day to kind of get ready to be closed
0: meanwhile yeah. cases are just raging just like the modeling has predicted since february yeah staney's model variance of concern <coughs> yeah
1: staney's model that he first showed that crazy yeah the the variance of concern like that showed the exponential just shooting straight up straight up it didn't happen it didn't quite happen when they said it was going to happen. Like it, it w- the the initial, the earliest,
0: delate. yeah, from the initial modeling from like it January would have been mid March. Mm-hmm. They
1: they he was predict well the modeling showed the earliest it was going to come was going to be mid March, but that was based on like a an assumption on when the variant first entered Ontario, which mm-hmm. was, you know, they had to, and the yeah guess on that for sure.
0: So yeah, so then sometime this week, 4 days after our shutdown, then there was a stay-at-home order issued. I don't remember which day.
1: Yeah. So g- just going back one step. So on Thursday okay. when they close when they did announce this this new term shutdown and they were making it sound different than a lockdown <laughs> right like they're making a big point this is not a lockdown it's a shutdown and the justifications were well it's nice outside now so we don't want people we don't want to do a stay at home order because then people would be stuck inside their homes we want people to go outside be allowed to go outside their homes mm-hmm. and they tied themselves into knots with all this justification and then and and um uh, the the point of the shutdown was that stores would still stay open so basically everything in in the gta the th- everything that was open to that point was going to continue to stay open which is yeah, most didn't do very much most retail was open at reduced capacity the only thing they shut down with this shutdown was the outdoor dining I think some restaurants had been allowed to do outdoor dining that got shut down and then yeah so then on and you could tell i mean the thing that we were talking about when it was happening i remember just seeing the faces of (coughs) the politicians as they were trying to explain this stuff they could tell they were making the wrong call because danny brown had just given the data given an update on the data on, on where the numbers were going, and you, c- and you could tell that they realized that the decision they had made was was wrong, based on.
0: I mean, that's what you saw because, you knew that.
1: Maybe because I knew, but uh, like you just the voices, you know, Christine Elliott's voice was shaking more than usual. I was gonna say <laughs> like, she always. No, like it was. It felt like they were making. Like she was trying to justify why and it just she you could tell she was stuttering and not not at all confident in how she was. OK,
0: so where do we live off? Have we got to the lockdown yet? So
1: now we're then at on some point
0: t- they locked us down.
1: Then on Tuesday,
0: Monday, Tuesday, I don't even know. It made no difference to us.
1: Yeah, I think it was on Tuesday we heard about the lockdown
0: after like it's just ridiculous because it was morning. like four or five days between. That is not enough time to see any effect of their shutdown. So it's like just they just
1: just didn't pay attention. They just
0: didn't pay attention or
1: they didn't. Yeah, they, they made a bad decision on the Thursday. Or they
0: just don't care. Like the very pessimistic people say that, you know what, they... They knew it was coming. They know they believed it was coming. That's why we have a field hospital at Sunnybrook. <laughs> right? Thank like goodness, we It's not yeah. that they didn't know. They just don't really care?
1: No, they care. I think they care.
0: But like it's not affecting them personally.
1: No. They're getting a lot of pressure that. Like you can th- What what is to me speaks volumes is when Doug Ford says something like you know when we said we were gonna have the shutdown I my phone started ringing off the hook from all the restaurant owners like it's like he always reacts to the people that are calling him right it's that's yeah, this what this is what Tillich's been talking about all week we got to get Doug Ford's <laughs> cell phone number <laughs> and then when on Tuesday when they announced the stay-at-home order the lockdown he's like all the hospital CEOs have been calling me and you know like it's like that's what it takes to get things you know for him to see it it's like it doesn't matter what data you show him it doesn't mm-hmm. matter it's like how much pressure are people directly putting on him mm-hmm. and i think everyone after the thursday announcement was like what are you doing you yeah. don't get this and then yeah. just he had to then because them, sure. the
0: other data that Steiny showed last week that is just terrifying is that so our ICUs right now in Ontario are at breaking point. There's 552, I wanna say, um, people in the ICU in Ontario right now. The GTA, they're just regularly flying people out of the GTA to clear beds and taking them to Kingston and London and who knows where to make beds. And, and that we was have happening two field hospitals now yeah. and SickKids has announced they're opening an eight bed ICU. I don't really know why that was such big news. But anyways, yeah. just trying to make capacity because the modeling shows that kind of regardless of what we do at this point, it's going, we're going to have 800 people in Ontario ICUs.
1: Yeah. So that, that was Staney's announcement on the Thursday and he showed that graph. And the reporters were asking questions, and it was, I think, the most telling response from him on that. Like, people were trying to understand what 800, what that meant. Mm -hmm. And someone asked, like, what does that mean? Or, like, you know, he and Staney had to, like, say, well, I don't want to sound, I don't want to speak, I don't know. He said something like he doesn't want to sound fatalistic or something like that. But this is very serious. Like if we get to that point, the healthcare system is going to have to start making yeah. desi- so tough decisions.
0: And I mean, this is what we were all afraid of last March. And yeah. somehow, after a year of learning lessons, or we were supposed to learn lessons, but we didn't. We are at that point. And now, today, they announced they're going to start canceling elective surgeries, which, of course, as we all know, many of those elective surgeries are not really elective. They're Mm -hmm. just scheduled, Mm -hmm. but they're people in pain Mm -hmm. that need surgery. And last night, a letter went out to all of Ontario's doctors saying that triaging is probably coming, Mm -hmm. and if you have to decide who lives or dies uh you know will keep you from being sued
1: mm-hmm. and i think they announced or they were starting it's like they were asking or getting people prepared to shift like to actually send healthcare workers from certain regions to hotspot spot areas because mm-hmm. there's going to be a shortage i mean this is what a lot of mm-hmm. the doctors have been crying about like, yes, you can set up field hospitals, but who's gonna staff, who's gonna them? staff them? So they're yeah. now they're like, oh, I guess we need to like there's gonna have to be healthcare workers being shipped in to Toronto and to other hotspots just to support
0: So the reason that I wanted to do a podcast tonight, even though we're barely prepared and I'm exhausted and I wanna go to bed is because I read this article in the Atlantic this week that was called, how are we going to remember, how will we remember the pandemic? Mm. And it just reminded me, I mean, one, why we started this podcast in the first place to keep a record of everything that's happening and how we felt and how it felt at the time. And two, like our memories are malleable. Yeah. And every time we open them up and access them, they can change. And so, we Already gotta we got to get can't this stuff down. I can
1: barely remember what happened last Thursday. I know. It's Thursday. true.
0: This <laughs> week has gone very <laughs> fast. And, um, oh, there's so many more things. Okay, so the other things that are happening right now, big news. Um, so Canada is about to overtake the U.S. in per capita cases. Huh, really? Did you know that? No. It's like not good news. Like
1: overall cases? Per capita. Yeah, per, wait, not, n- yeah, over. But like s- cumulative cases per capita. Daily. Daily cases. Daily cases, sure. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daily cases. daily cases. Daily cases. Yeah, no, that makes sense.
0: Because their vaccination, they're just.
1: They're flying on the vaccines.
0: Flying with the vaccinations, and we are not. And they don't have very much B117 either. Yeah. Whereas we have a ton, mm-hmm. and that's what's killing us in Ontario right now. In BC, it's P1, mm-hmm. which is even worse. Scarier.
1: Potentially, yeah.
0: More deadly. Um, and the other thing I've seen a lot this week with all the talk of stopping schools or not stopping schools, the Ontario government, especially, and some other healthcare workers too, often try to say that school environments are not a significant source of spread. And like, uh, I, no, I don't think that that is true i've seen a a few graphs this week that are just eye-poppingly obvious Mm -hmm. so one is like before schools open you can see a graph of covid cases by age and the under 20 under 10 group is like at the bottom of the graph Mm -hmm. and then cases rise well no, as cases rise, schools open, cases rise, the younger age groups peak first, mm-hmm. ahead of the older age groups, mm-hmm. and then overtake them all. Mm-hmm. Like you have these S curves and the younger kids just boom, outpace them all. Yeah. And then you have the fact that a lot of data that has been reported is using like the wrong denominator for kids in school. Like, it's like how many kids or educators get sick? How many kids (laughs) are in in the system, right? Like you're counting kids that are at home a lot of the time. Yeah. Like kids in virtual learning, kids in schools that are closed, like it's the wrong denominator. And when you take the denominator out, so, There's a new guy I'm following on Twitter, Mm -hmm. um, Diego somebody. He's an epidemiologist at SickKids. And so he's been making these graphs like with the proper denominator. Mm -hmm. And he posted one today. Of course, I can't. I'm looking on the wrong social media. Um, He posted one today that basically showed The per capita cases in school Mm -hmm. are double that of the community.
1: Wow. Like if you use the proper denominator. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I feel like if people are trying to claim, I mean, I think there's maybe a case to be made that to keep schools open anyways, but then you need to. The teachers need to have N nine fives, you need to have air filters and every
1: Well the question is is there spread in schools? So far we've been led to believe and everyone all the politicians will still tell you schools schools are are safe based on They're not. I mean that's the other crazy lying with statistics thing that the the statement that Lech Lecky and (laughs) Ford have been parroting (laughs) is never gonna know his name. Is like 99% of students. Oh. What was, I don't even know. Don't the exact have number. COVID. Don't have COVID. But
0: they are only testing like less than 1% of students. Or they're something. using like, again, the wrong denominator. They're like using they're using
1: the total number of people. All they're the just
0: using the cases that they find.
1: Divided by all the students. Divided in the by systems, all the students. students and staff in the systems. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that even if they use the right denominator and you were at 1%, it's like saying the, the analogy I kept thinking of was like if you had a school shooting and 1% of the kids were getting sh- shot every whatever month or y- whatever it is, it's like you still have a problem. Like just because yeah. like that's still one. It's like how many do you think is okay? Like what percent, mm-hmm. it, what number of students mm-hmm. is consider- are you considering safe? Yeah. I don't, you know, yeah. I would think, yeah. Who knows?
0: It's just, yeah, the situations that it causes are just absolutely tragic. When kids bring it home, and the whole the whole family's getting sick now. That's the thing with B one one seven. Yeah, whole families are getting sick and ending up in the hospital. Anyways, if they're if they want to keep schools open. Like they got to vaccinate teachers. They have to get them N95s and they have to work on the air circulation. They can't just ignore these problems like they've been doing. You can't just, you can't just say they're safe. You have to make them safe. So I don't know. Now it's March break in April. (laughs) March break got moved, which is a whole other thing. Um, and so we'll see. I doubt the schools in Toronto will reopen. I hope they don't. I am i don't think I can send Avery back.
1: Yeah, I think now people are... It's going to be very difficult to switch back until we get the numbers, like, down to, you know, well down. I don't think they're going to open for a while. I mean, we. who knows how high this thing's going, right? Like, we don't... It'll probably be two weeks... From like Mm -hmm. now till we see the numbers Mm -hmm. before it peaks. Yeah, because this
0: kind of lockdown worked on the old virus, but it only just worked. We only ever got our R value down to like 0.9 or 0.8. Yeah, that's true. We never crushed it. And like we have to do the equivalent to crush B one one seven. I think we have to do the equivalent of getting the old COVID down to 0.7, which was very hard.
1: I mean, the summer is coming too, though, so we might start to see that effect. More outdoor
0: stuff, but outdoors, everybody, remember to wear your masks outside if you can't distance, because yeah, it is just so much more contagious now. So you have to be outside and distancing. Outside is not enough on its own. Yeah,
1: it is. I mean that there's there's the weather's getting be get better and the vaccine the number of people with the first shot of the vaccine is going up quick yeah you know, quickly that
0: like twenty percent now or something yeah
1: it's not it's getting there we're getting we're gonna every week we'll be I don't know how many are we doing like a doing?
0: hundred thousand a day now for yeah. three days in a row I was one of those
1: yeah right so that's the other I got news my vaccine on Wednesday. is it true like so almost everyone in our f- families. Well, my mom and dad have got the first shot. I've got it. You've got it. Your mom...
0: My mom my dad doesn't Your dad hasn't
1: gotten it yet. Yeah. So it's like a lot of people are getting it. But the
0: vaccine rollout is... So it's not equitable at all. It's so regional. So the way that I got my vaccine was because I'm an essential caregiver for our son, Caden, who falls into the highest risk category laid out by the provincial government now the provincial government has not yet opened um, vaccine registration up to that group but uhn did a pre-registration for people who are like in their catchment area or a patients at the hospital and so we're in the catchment area or like arguably in the catchment area but I signed up, anyways, because I thought we were, and then they just sent me an email like a week later saying, "You, if you can come these three days, you can sign up for an appointment." And so I did, but it's like I can't get the same appointment for Caden's nanny because she doesn't live in the catchment area. It's like very regional, and I also found out they're doing a lot of reporting on vaccination rates by postal code. And so we are postal code is the third highest rate of vaccination in, I want to say the city. Mm-hmm. And, but like one of the least hardest hit areas of COVID. Mm-hmm. And then the flip is also true. If you go to the hardest hit areas, you have the lowest vaccination rates. Yeah. So in our neighborhood, there's like 20% of people, 20% of people are vaccinated. Yeah. You go up to Etobicoke, you're at like 5 percent. Yeah. So they're working. One of the things they announced this week is that they're going to work to change that. They're going to have pop-up clinics going that are going to vaccinate anyone over 18 in those areas. Anyone over 50 already in those areas can sign up for a vaccine. But <coughs> um, some people are complaining that Doug Ford does a lot of policy by press conference. And like he just announces these things at the pulpit without a plan in place, without like a way things are going to roll out, without the systems ready Mm -hmm. and people just get confused and they start yelling at (laughs) people and it's just it's a freaking mess even when they're doing the right thing.
1: And I mean it came from Staney Brown again on Thursday, showed that graph where he showed the places that, he i'm not sure if he showed the graph or if he s- just stated this fact that the places with the highest need aren't getting the highest vacci- vaccination rates like it's mm-hmm. f- it's flipped
0: yeah that data was just released and what was the ridiculous thing that they said when they started the lockdown about how like they didn't know this was gonna come or something like
1: oh yeah the answers the justification for why they changed course so quickly so they you know the Thursday shutdown and then the Tuesday stay-at-home order like that's whatever number of days why did that happen the justification was well we didn't see a change and so we thought we had to put in the stay-at-home order and then they got a question from the media. But isn't it impossible for you (laughs) to have seen a change over that short a period? Wouldn't you need at least two weeks to see a change? And then they bumbled around for an answer, and it was something like, well, right, we saw the line still going just as steeply up, and so it was...
0: But didn't they also say something like they couldn't have foreseen this or I don't they know. didn't know yeah. that ICU cases were going to get hit 500? I just want to go back uh. in time to March 11th, the very famous press conference that Steiny Brown gave yeah. where John McGrath, the reporter, <laughs> asked him afterwards, he said... He said you just presented this modeling like showing that the variants of concern are coming and if we don't take drastic action they're going to overwhelm us. I'm paraphrasing and we're not doing any of that. So are we just like am I missing something or are we just walking into a disaster? And Steiny Brown said no nope, no nope, you're not missing anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah there's, uh, there's decisions uh, to be made in politics and uh but no, you're not, you're not missing anything. <laughs> that was March 11th. That was at least the fourth modeling presentation yeah. that he had given over the past few months that showed the same freaking thing. Yeah. David Williams sitting right beside him at the table every single time. Yeah. And then they claim that like somehow they didn't know or they couldn't foresee. And, yeah. And they just refuse yeah well on thursday paid sick days
1: oh yeah the paid sick day thing yeah they they're just
0: it's insane people are going to work workplaces as far as anybody can tell from the lack of contact tracing that we have workplaces are the source of uh, for sure the biggest outbreaks if not the most cases
1: yeah on thursday this was the so ford was trying to say like you can you could tell from the way he was talking about this that he believed the reason for the problem was people like people not listening to the public health
0: Mm-hmm. Rules
1: like people being out the and about. The problem
0: being the explosion of cases.
1: Yeah, yeah. The it's problem being people are
0: not being responsible.
1: And like he goes people out, are going like, to well, the I I
0: malls see. that we've left open.
1: I can see that was on Tuesday, but even on Thursday he was saying like I drive around and I see all these people out and about. Come on, people, you need to do better. Like people yeah, are allowed to be out and about. And then this is where I love what Michael Warner the critical care what's what's his role exactly?
0: He's, He's the head of the critical care unit at Michael Care. Yeah.
1: Also. He started sharing stories of the patients that he was seeing. Yes, with their permission. With their permission, but giving a first of all showing how much more insidious this this very vari- these variants are like how the whole family is like coming in and they're getting split up like one person's going to this place one person's going to mm-hmm. this place and like how there many of them are essential workers they're all essential they're, they're workers. all es- yeah like highlighting how many of them are essential workers and not that it's like they have they were told they had to go to, go go work. to work sick they were, they were told to go to work or sick Or during
0: ha- an outbreak
1: right one of them was that factory where there was an outbreak on a different shift and then the someone on the other shift, they were told to still go in. And then the person working at the factory got it and gave it to someone, gave it to a spouse and their kids. One of the parents died as a result. Yeah, like just horrible It's stories. just
0: absolute tragedy that is A, completely preventable and B, being foisted upon vulnerable people by the rich and powerful, like the rich and powerful are the only ones with the tools to stop this. I cannot believe I am so mad. I cannot believe that David Williams, the chief medical officer thinks that public health, public health is born by the individual. That is the complete opposite ethos. Of public health yeah it is not an individual thing it's a collective thing yeah. that's 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 the whole that's the whole basis and especially in a pandemic
1: going back to the th- the John McGrath so he asked the follow-up on Thursday to Staney Brown and he said something like, So you pointed you told us this was coming, right? John McGrath asked Staney Brown. Mm-hmm. Like so like way back in March, you told us that this was coming. He asked something like
0: Are you does, angry? Does this
1: make you angry or frustrated yeah. or upset? Or yeah, maybe it was does this make you angry? <laughs> and Stanie Brown took a breath. Like he had to like pause and collect his himself mm-hmm. and he said no. But I'm hoping it will. What he I think he was trying to say is, I hope now they get it. But then then the follow up question from John McGrath was to David Williams. And he said, Dr. Williams, this is a failure. You Mm -hmm. were warned about this. Did is was it but the government didn't do anything. So whose failure is this? Was it that the information you were giving the government or was it the government not listening to the information you gave them? Whose failure is this? And Williams just didn't get it. Like he doesn't, like he said, I disagree that this is a failure. Like that tells you all you need to know. Like he doesn't think at that point they still didn't think this was a, like this was an avoidable.
0: It is completely avoidable. Every single Death that we're having in this third Wave and the second wave For that matter it's completely preventable It's just like the long term care homes The first time around like it's just a Failure of policy they're not Doing anything to protect vulnerable People yeah. they're Protecting profits They're keeping Workplaces opening they're keeping the Dividends flowing are they're, they're protecting Profits not people and Doug Ford had the nerve to get up and chastise people for asking for paid sick days the other day and accuse people of playing politics Mm -hmm. asking for paid sick days because there's a like a more of a long-term sickness benefit that the federal government provides which is not at all the same thing as being able to take off day off work and not have an interruption in your paycheck yeah the gall of that man so, future self listening to this <laughs> podcast. Remember, this was all preventable. It was all politics. It is a failure. And Stiney Brown must be freaking furious. Oh, I'm sure the whole He's science table.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the whole science table is, is like losing it.
0: So, oh yeah, I forgot the other thing about that article from The Atlantic about how we'll mm. remember this. It's like. I felt so futile. Everything has felt futile. I felt so incompetent the last month watching this all unfold. It's like someone on Twitter said, it's like watching a slow motion car crash (laughs) and you're just watching it from your window and there's not anything you can do to stop it. And so this article was like one of the ways, one of the ways we tell stories is bearing witness,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so yeah. that's what we're doing. We can't do anything. We can't affect the outcome from our living room, but we can bear witness. I don't think and that's. And we n- can be angry on behalf of the people that are suffering these preventable losses.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, for sure, I think that's a ro- important role. I al- also think y- that we. I like to believe that we can make a difference in the. Like it's all about getting people to actually understand what's happening and mm-hmm. and like people that have Doug Ford's cell phone number to like, mm-hmm. you know, find those people to and get them to call him and explain to him and overwhelm, you know, if that's what it takes, like get those people on the phone with him. Mm-hmm.
0: I'll tell you, what this pandemic has done for me is absolutely solidified the need of a universal basic income mm-hmm. i've yeah. been signing petitions left and right and donating to organizations that are campaigning for this and like i just think if we had a ubi first of all i bet covid wouldn't be as bad because people would have a safety net oh my gosh i just read a statistic tonight 53 percent of canadians are 200 away from not being able to pay their bills yeah 53 Percent
1: and so the yeah the one the one of the podcasts I listen to the uh, uh, pivot the one with um, Scott Galloway and Kara Swisher, Swisher they always talk about like they always point out that all the money goes to the you know small businesses. There's a lot of discussion about small businesses, and yes, they're important to the economy, but they also represent Doug Ford very. Thinks.
0: Small businesses are his family.
1: They're like the top, whatever, one or two percent. Like the people that run these businesses, yes, their businesses are going to be hurting. And yes, a lot of the businesses will go out of business. But they, the people involved at the owners are not, they are wealthy people for the most part. And they're they're not going to be personally harmed by this. Some of their staff will be. But what we should be doing, they the Scott and Kara what they always say is like we should protect the people, not mm-hmm. the businesses. Yep. Let the businesses go under. New businesses will come up once this is all over, like new mm-hmm. restaurants will open. It but it's we need to protect the people. We why mm-hmm. why aren't we doing more? Yeah.
0: People need to not be have be evicted by the police. Yeah single father with two young kids were evicted by Toronto police the other week. Yeah, I heard caught that. Caught on video. Yeah. Like... Yeah. yeah. We need to protect the people. That's right.
1: Protect the people, not businesses. That's...
0: And I think be- a universal basic income yeah. would be a very good way to do that.
1: MMT? Protect everybody. Modern and I feel like that would TV?
0: have to create better working conditions for people because people would have more power to say no i am not gonna work that shitty dangerous job yeah because i yeah. don't need it to feed my family yeah i don't need it that bad that's where yeah. i'll find something better like yeah. give me some safety equipment give me <laughs> a safe place to work and then i'll then we can talk
1: yeah one other thing we didn't talk about the other so, Caden, we had yeah. our second so COVID right. scare.
0: The other reason <laughs> that this week was ridiculous was our own personal reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sunday was Easter Sunday.
1: Easter Sunday. We were in the car, halfway. In the car,
0: halfway to my mom's house. We were going to have Easter with her because she's, she's vaccinated and she does child care for us. So, yeah. we're already linked. So, yeah. We're going to have go to grandma's which you haven't done in months and months and months and do an easter egg hunt and halfway there we got a phone call <laughs> saying that kaden had been exposed to a person with covid19 and we had to and he had to isolate so the interesting thing about that phone call is it did not come from toronto public health because toronto public health is not doing any contact tracing mm-hmm. it came from the toronto central lynn which is like the Regional healthcare care provider, they provide our night nursing, so it was one of our night nurses, so that's why they knew, and they were calling us, mm. so then we had to turn around and just come home mm-hmm. and like avery Avery will never admit to being disappointed about <laughs> anything, yeah. but he clearly was remember yeah. him saying. We're we should never go anywhere again. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, it might not happen. It was just it was just like a huge shock. We went to get tested. We were negative. There's still a couple more days of isolation.
1: We should probably get Caden tested one more time. We
0: should get Caden tested one more time, although we don't have to. It's not in the rules, but just for our peace of mind.
1: It. Yeah. I mean, the weird thing was like he was actually, you know, randomly every once in a while he starts like
0: yeah he also seemed off he Like was we were kind of wondering why is this happening why is this
1: extra happening? wet all the time like yeah. just so yeah off baseline yeah so i think we were what i w- we were 50 i was 50 50 like i was like he could really be starting mm-hmm. to get COVID or something and then so we started wearing masks for so that, yeah, once we heard we and then we got yeah. home, you and I started wearing masks around Caden and would washing Which would
0: our have hand. probably been futile anyways. Probably, we but, did that it a
1: a but it was worth a try. But then we got the test result the day after we got the test done. And so, and it was negative. So that was good. I had my first nose. What's it called? N- n- nasal. Oh, p- NP swab. NP <laughs> swab. <laughs> it's not as bad as people say it is it just it tickled
0: that wasn't as bad as the one that i had the first time
1: yeah so maybe it depends on who does it Mm -hmm. or how they choose to do it but Mm -hmm. they just did five little swirls in each nostril and it didn't yeah i it's uncomfortable my eyes watered but it was it was not doing
0: five seconds in each nostril is much better to the 10 seconds in one nostril right that really hurt yeah we did a lower nasal swab for caden which he still hated he still (laughs) hated that yeah but he survived yeah so we've just been in the house all week oh yeah and then so we told our nanny not to come like she's like there's degrees of essential right she's essential to us but we can get by with one week and we don't have proper ppe for her like we do our best we have like the best consumer grade mask you can get and she wears goggles and like we do our best but we don't have access to n95s Mm -hmm. like our nurses do Mm -hmm. so the night nurses come they they are wearing the n95s um overnight while caden's in quarantine but our nanny we can't give her that Mm -hmm. same protection so we just told her to stay home So we were just doing everything by ourselves. And then Avery, we're like, oh, Avery, you don't have any school this week. You get to Mm -hmm. stay home because he wouldn't pass screening. And then Tuesday they cancel school. So Mm -hmm. we're like, oh, Avery, you Mm -hmm. do have to go to school now. Which
1: he was okay with, it seemed like.
0: It's online.
1: He only had three days of school this week.
0: Yeah. Uh, We didn't even go Wednesday because we couldn't get the stuff to work. Right, yeah. Anyways we just We just Made it through to the end of the week mm-hmm. And now our nurse is going to be here In five minutes
1: Okay yeah I guess we did it Any jokes? Jokes?
0: I don't have a joke But I guess I have joke homework joke For people to homework. do If they're listening to this So uh-huh. Julie Nolke is oh a yeah. YouTuber And a year ago She did um, Visiting myself or whatever so it was April in April 2020 she did a video where she visited herself in January of 2020 Mm -hmm. and was really cagey about all the crazy stuff that was going on so now she did a one year fall and she did a couple subsequent but now she did like a one year anniversary where she did April 2021 Julie Mm -hmm. goes back to visit January 2020 Julie Mm -hmm. and it is very funny Mm -hmm. And she goes off on, like, all the things that are happening and how terrible is the pandemic and George Floyd and more pandemic and then, like, these variants and vaccines not coming fast enough. And then Julie 2020 January 2020, Julie's just like, what? And then future Julie's like, oh, that's a movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the plot of a movie that's coming out. It's like, oh, thank God. Couldn't be real life. Yeah. That would be too much. Yeah. So, yeah, she's watch those she's videos. They're hilarious. Mm. All right. Okay, okay, hope we got it all down.
1: I think we did it. Good night.
0: How will we remember the pandemic? This is how.
1: Yeah, this is how. Good night. Good night.